This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com where I'm in the midst of posting my Marvel Cinematic Universe review and I have a Jurassic World written review that uh, just went up a couple days ago. Um, the links to that's going to be in the show notes here. And then also come see us at Indie PopCon June 26th to the 28th. We'll be recording throughout the weekend, giving away DVDs at the booth and... Uh, just, you know, having a good time. Uh, tickets are available at anypopcon.com. And our guest today, we have a guest. It's Matt Quiet. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Wait, so let's back up. Yes. You're giving away DVDs. How do I win these? Yeah, I, uh, you, <laughs> you're kind of putting me on the spot here because <laughs> we haven't really, uh, gone through the actual how we're going to do it. But basically, this, what, what happened is I moved and my apartment is fairly small. So I have like a ton of – I had like two big DVD cases that I held all, held all my DVDs in. So as I was packing and everything, I kind of picked apart like the ones that are redundant, like the ones I have other copies of and the ones that I don't really want anymore, the kind of buyer's remorse ones. So I have like two like big crates of DVDs that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give some of these away at PopCon. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. The best way to win them, uh, like a guaranteed way, is a sexual favor. I mean – Well, I mean so yeah. – yeah. we. If I show you my tits, yes, yes, yes. exactly. It's like it's like Mardi Gras on beads, but with yeah. DVDs. If you make out with Shirley, <laughs> very physically and passionately oh, at the table in front of us, uh, yes. yeah. I can, these are all things I can totally do. Right? <laughs> so, Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? You're you're going to be a popcorn also, and we're gonna I'm going to be on one of your panels. Uh, yes. Is that confirmed yet? Uh, they're not my panels necessarily. Okay, I I'm paneled by association, I guess. Okay, um, <laughs> one of your networks panels. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're gonna be at booth five forty six at Indie Popcon. That is nowhere near Podcast Alley. We have been <laughs> exiled and shunned. Actually, due to a, a dumb snafu on my part, we didn't pay till way late, and we were lucky, ah. lucky to get a booth at all. So. Jeez. Uh, we'll wait from you over on the uh, the ex- exiled island uh, <laughs> where where no one wants to talk to us. But uh, that's okay. We're gonna be there. We're gonna be giving out. Uh, we're gonna be signing people up for their chance to win some board games. We're gonna be showing nice. off our new recording equipment because we got new recording equipment. It's gonna be awesome. Nice. Um, we're gonna be doing something else. We're gonna be handing out flyers uh, and just uh, generally having a good time. Stop by the booth and. Don't watch me make out passionately with Shirley. <laughs> the obsessive viewers booth, and that will keep right. you away from their booth. Exactly, which you can find our booth at uh, booth six thirty seven. By the way, and we're in Podcast Alley. If, <laughs> unless I, unless um, I'm mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys. You guys were smart and like I don't know, paid on time or early. Oh, we paid last. We paid last year at last year's PopCon. We were one of the first yeah. ones to buy a booth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so we, yeah, we uh, you know we do some podcasting a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I've gotten a little fast and loose with my rules on no more podcasts. 
uh, as of to I guess uh, this will be released in a couple of days. So as of three days ago, uh, we just launched our fifth podcast. Um, our sixth podcast will officially launch tomorrow morning when I edit epi- episode zero and put it up. Nice. Um, our fifth podcast is Binging with Brian and Jeff. They watch all streaming shows or all shows that are only streaming and just talk about them. I actually um, listened then, to the first episode today. Oh, cool. cool yeah, it was I a lot of fun. On iTunes to say we accept this. Right. It's it's not on <laughs> so, iTunes as, as of this recording, but I went to the – you shared a link on Nerds Domain uh, Facebook. Yeah, I'll put yeah. the link in the show notes. But, yeah, it was fun. I really like the cover art too. It's really awesome. Uh, you know – I would say her full name, we'll just call her Beth because her last name is Polish and I'm not sure I'll do anything to butcher it. <laughs> um, she was wonderful to work with. I had nothing but a great time getting her to do art um, and it was really quick and I was very, very happy and appreciative. She took nice. exactly what I gave her and made it better, way better. So, um, nice. yeah, very happy with what she's done. Nice. Um and then our podcast that launches tomorrow that we just came up with last week is going to be called The Esoteric Order of the Yellow King. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's going, to be all, it's going to be True Detective. So we're going to watch True Detective and immediately record. And then on the uh, right after the season ends, we're going to start reading uh, novellas and short stories from the Cthulhu Lovecraft mythos. Nice. Very section. nice. So we're going to go from once a week to once a month with those mm. so we have time to read. And then... About six months, so about six months from now, we're going to start um, season one. Shirley and I have already watched it. We're going to watch it again and then nice. record every week as though, you know, we're still we're coming out new again. Right. And Dude. then get back into Mythos stories and kind of flip back and forth on those. I would love to be a guest on that because I actually read uh, The King in Yellow. Um, yeah, Shirley Shirley's reading some of it now, and she's yeah. been very happy with it, so... Yeah, cool. Nice. I'd be happy to have you guys on. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's so, all very exciting. So, yeah. So, damn, you've got a lot of stuff going on, and then uh, yeah, we have a we have a seventh podcast coming out in September, and then <laughs> some other stuff. Uh, maybe an eighth podcast before the end of the year. Holy oh, we're crap! Crazy. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, that is that's impressive. <laughs> I'm. I've been toying with a with a spinoff pod or not spinoff podcast, but like kind of a personal podcast of, of my own, like a secondary podcast. But I'm like, I don't have the time. I I don't know. I'm I'm, I've got like it all mapped out and everything, but I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. So maybe that'll happen in the future. But I um, find the easiest way to start a new podcast is to not edit anything. <laughs> if you just if you tell your guest, hey, we're not editing this stuff, so just be on top <laughs> of the game of your game. It goes wonderfully. That feels like too much pressure on uh, for me. <laughs> <I'm> an, <laughs> I am too controlling for that. Um, so Fair tell enough. us, tell us where where we can find you online and and all that. Go over to nerdsdom.com and we read all kinds of reviews. So books, movies, podcasts, games, and apps. A TV's mm-hmm. also in there. Come somewhere. Um, I also just started a new blog called. Oh, this is so terrible. Quietly Nerdy um, over at uh, uh, Southgate Media Group. They have uh, a blogs over there, and I was invited to come write for them. Nice. Uh, they're our network. And they're awesome. There's tons of podcasts there. You can find four of our podcasts because I need to update the page now that I'm thinking about it. Um, uh, four of our podcasts, and soon to be the fifth and sixth one, uh, listed over at nerdsdom.com slash nerdcasts. And uh, that'll take you to the RSS feeds and the, pay- the, the web pages for all those. You can listen to all those there. And then uh, we're on Facebook at Nerds Domain, or I'm at Quiet. 
Uh, but that's with two T's. Um, and on Facebook.com slash Domain. Nice. So, yeah, we're a little bit everywhere. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We have all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you for making me do so much work in editing because I'm going to have to put all the links in the show notes. But <laughs> for our <laughs> listeners, you can find the links in the show notes. Um, so so I, I, today we're talking about Jurassic World. And before we get into that discussion, I want to bring up briefly uh, some news that broke today as of this recording. We're recording on Monday. Uh, the 15th of June, and uh, it was just announced that Halloween is going to get a reboot um, again. Um, <laughs> it's going to be called Halloween Returns, and uh, I can't remember the director's name, but the d- guy that directed The Collector and the the writers from the kind of middle, so- middle of the Saw series, they're going to be handling it, and as a franchise, we did a, we did a franchise review of the Halloween franchise, and uh, this was news that was broke to us by Mike in our pod chat. Um, and he like he's excited about it because he he loves the Halloween series, and I'm I'm cautiously optimistic because I was not a fan of the uh, Rob Zombie movies at all. Um, and it's one thing that really intrigued me about it was that the the premise, the setup for it is that Michael Myers is in. Uh, is on death row and about to be executed and some teenagers like sneak in to view the execution or something, but he breaks free and escapes and now they're like targets or something. I'm not sure. I'm this, I haven't done the proper research, but it just sounds, it sounds interesting. And it, I mean, the franchise as a whole, uh, more, I like, I like less of them than I don't like, if that makes sense. So I don't like most of the entries in the franchise. But this it's a franchise that could have an interesting revival if done correctly and without Rob Zombie's involvement. Um what do you guys think about this news? Yeah. I'll check it out. Nice. I haven't I haven't looked at it much, because um, it just dropped today and I haven't really right. had time to look at it, but yeah, I mean I think I'm excited for more Halloween. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Matt, how about you? Um, yeah, as a rule of thumb, I skip horror movies. Interesting. Um, for for a couple of reasons, and the number one reason is uh, I do have terrible nightmares. Oh wow! Uh, I had I had a very vivid nightmare without any kind of we we talked about watching scary movies, and I had mm-hmm. a very vivid nightmare about a ghost stealing my underwear. And as dumb as it sounds, I woke up screaming. So oh, wow! Yeah, so th- that's just talking about horror movies. Uh, also, the horror movie I remember watching is the horror movie that makes me afraid of clowns, so oh. I can't go anywhere near a lot of that stuff. Yeah. My imagination okay. takes it and runs with it. But um, just like Friday the 13th um, mm. and and other horror franchises, all other or older horror franchises, mm-hmm. Saw is its own weird Thing. Yeah, um, you know, there's a storied history, and and even the movies that are bad, like there's there's so much around them that goes on. I like seeing that they're going to try and do it well. I don't mm. know what Rob Zombies were like, although I have found that I don't like a lot of things that Rob Zombie does, <laughs> and I don't know that he is the filmmaker that he could be because he's just trying to go for wow factor too much. I think he has some skill; he just needs to tweak it. I definitely um, agree with you there. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I won't watch it, but I'm. It's, it's exciting. Nice. Okay. Cool. I did not know that about you. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So that's that's Halloween Returns, courtesy uh, of Mike, our our uh, former our our co-host on sabbatical. Um, 
Yeah, that, that'll be what, how we refer to him. Nice. Um, okay, so anyway, so let's get into our discussion of Ju- Jurassic World. And Matt, the reason that we've asked you on the podcast for this particular episode is that um, last year you invited us to a screening of Jurassic Park um, for your birthday, actually. And we went yeah. and we were on your podcast. When, again, links in the show notes, we did, a, we did a review in the lobby of the theater of Jurassic Park. I felt that it would be fitting to have you back on the – or have you on the podcast – uh, to discuss this movie. So, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to Jurassic World since about the day they announced it. Yeah. Nice. So, to get it kicked off, let's, let's all kind of just do like a little, like, brief, give our, give our overall thoughts on the movie and then we can get into a deeper dis- dissection of, of our thoughts on it. And, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'll go ahead and go first. Please. Um, okay, go so, so Jurassic Park is a movie that I adore. Uh, it's one of the first movies I remember seeing in the theater, and it's it connect, I connected to it on on a deep level as a kid. And that fondness, it, there's a time, there's a timeless quality to the movie. And so I was looking forward to Jurassic World because it, it's it's disregarding the sequels. It's uh, it's a sequel to the original movie, and it seemed like it would be you know this franchise's lay dormant enough that it would be ripe for a proper resurgence. And my overall feelings on Jurassic World is that it was disappointing um, in that the thrills and, like, the action sequences were very solid. They were the strong points of the movie, but none of the characters really resonated with me and none of the... um, None of the characterizations of them did either, and they put they put characters in places that just felt just felt really hackneyed for me, and it it failed to connect to me on a character level and on a um it the way that I would characterize it is that the movie has the thrills of Jurassic Park but lacks the heart and the um timelessness of it um. Yeah. So, Tiny, what do you think? Interesting. Um, I did enjoy it, uh, just for its fun factors. Um, it's kind of hard to view this movie objectively because it's the fourth installment of a franchise, even though it has a bit of a reboot or like a, a shot in the arm kind of aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because at a certain point, you know, how, what can you really do with the franchise? And I think with, with what's already been established in the franchise, I think they did okay. Um, but at the same time, I, I really echo a lot of what you said. I mean, the the characterization was not there at all. Um, so many of the characters just fell flat or they were just very incomplete. Um, the movie was fairly bloated, um, like a lot of movies tend to be anymore. Um, I, I think the movie's really just... Th- this is really just a symptom of, you know... When 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 they try to reboot these franchises like this or make a fourth installment of something, it's like you have to, you have to cram so many things into it because people have been desensitized to all the the majesty and the fun stuff that was in the first one or two or three or eight movies, um, and so you have to up the ante. And when you do that, it just becomes bloated and uh, things fall by the wayside, and it's unfortunate. And I think this movie fell victim to that, unfortunately. Interesting. Matt, how about you? So I went into this movie and uh, I allowed 
my uh, nostalgia goggles to fall over my face. <laughs> um, having what, while I watched it, uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. There wasn't nice. a thing that I didn't go. That's pretty awesome. Um, having left the movie theater, I feel like that guy that was in the commercials for what I'm pretty sure it was frosted mini wheats, where one side is the kid and the other side is the adult, and the adult <laughs> in me realizes that. Jurassic World is not a bad movie. However, it is not Jurassic Park, and it will never be able to be Jurassic Park because at no point did my heart swell. Um, at no point did the music grip me and pull me in, and at no point did I actually fear for anyone. I know I knew exactly who was going to die. I knew exactly who was going to live, and I was okay with walking along like that. Mm-hmm. It was it was clear when the villains were going to escape. And it was clear when other villains were going to die a horrible death Mm -hmm. and all of them deserved exactly what they got. And it was, um, I don't know. I, I'm not disappointed with the movie from the fun factor. It was fun, but I am disappointed with the script. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a little disappointed with some of the acting, um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character was a little too much evil, maniacal after hand wringing for me. Um, Chris Pratt was great, but he didn't put a lot of seriousness into that role. He just had fun. And uh, to a point, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And Bryce Dallas Howard, they cast as a villain and a really, I, I forget what your rating is on this, but I'm just going to go with it, a really bitchy villain at that. <laughs> and and they made a turn that, yes, while it made sense, didn't feel right for the character at the time. Um, I just don't know. Like, you can't feel good about genetically, and spoilers here, sorry, <laughs> but you can't feel good about genetically engineering the next epitome of dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And not realize that something's going to go bad. Like, you can't do that. I don't know. It, it, yeah, part of me is just very happy with the movie, and I'm, I'm as excited to see it. The rest of me is not. So, I'm a little conflicted. Interesting. I, you know, it, you mentioned the script, and, and Tiny, you mentioned that it, when you have a franchise, you need to keep upping the ante, and the, the script for this movie, was really sloppy in its delivery of um of a kind of meta theme message kind of thing where like a big part of the movie is that the that the attendance is failing in the park or, or the there's a down there's a downturn and that's why they need to genetically engineer this dinosaur which it's 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 contradicted by the by the faces of all the kids and everything and all the shots in, in any case but it's also a very thinly veiled like criticism or commentary on blockbuster filmmaking and it's it's just it felt disingenuous to the movie that that this was a sequel of like jurassic park was out of this world mind-blowing um and it uh and it was something that it was something that really broke ground in terms of blockbusters and then it felt like this movie was was trying to just up the scale of that in without thinking about what made that movie so great. And, and that felt really oh, just, and Oh, go ahead. The, the, the script contradicts itself. They're complaining yeah. about, about attendees 
And this one really stuck with me. Even 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 my kids' side saw this one. They're complaining <laughs> about attendees. They had twenty thousand people. Yeah, there. yeah. They were they were full. This wasn't like a slow day at Kings Island here. Yeah, they were <laughs> packed full the whole time. Right. I and and you know what? Disney World doesn't get old and people quit going when they don't reveal a new ride. It's Disney World. It's the majesty of the place. Right. Yeah. Jurassic World had that same thing. They were just it it made. It made the 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 guy at the head of the the company seem more greedy, and it made mm-hmm. Dallas Bryce Howard's character seem the same way. Like like you don't need that money, you don't have to push for this. Just make a good park, and they I don't know I don't know the, yeah. the script didn't seem consistent even with itself. It, it yeah. really it really didn't, and there was like that whole thing about how. Uh oh! No one wants to see dinosaurs anymore. It's like okay, first of all, a that's just complete BS. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> absolutely and like cut two shots of the kids screaming about how like going around like all excited and everything. It just it felt so clunky. Yeah, and yeah, tiny. What? Yeah. yeah, well, and you know, <laughs> I mentioned part of that that it has to keep upping the ante, and it's kind of it's kind of funny they 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 make this make this statement or this commentary in the movie about how it's not always a good thing to add more teeth and for bigger and crazier and whatever. Uh, it's not always a good thing. And it's kind of like, well, maybe you should kind of take your own advice in that respect because <laughs> this yeah. movie was like, well, that's what they did. They genetically modified and cr- created this, this amalgamation of all kinds of crazy things from dinosaurs. And it, it was just too much uh, for, for one dinosaur to have. Um, and also the movie itself was like, I, I remember when I was reading reviews, like the early reviews before it actually hit theaters, uh, the Craigs who got to see it early, they were saying, um, someone referred to it as Dino Overload. And I was like, that's kind of fitting. Um, I won't go into spoilers, but there's so many breeds of, of, or I don't know if that's a proper term, of dinosaurs, and there's just so many of them. And like the way that the, the climax just features a ton of, dinosaurs it's just kind of crazy it all just kind of blended together and it kind of takes away some of the effect um they tried and pretty aptly failed to do like a slow reveal of the new dinosaur they created i noticed that because i remember in jurassic park the first one we don't really see the t-rex in full until like halfway through the movie it's uh, like at the exact halfway point right right and that movie like the the tension that's built in that first half is just phenomenal in, mm-hmm. in Jurassic Park. And this doesn't really have that tension build in it. It's just kind of, and again, I don't know how you, I don't know if you can really do that with a fourth installment of Jurassic, uh, in the Jurassic, um, franchise, franchise, especially with no returning characters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's hard to do. I, I don't know. I think they just should have planned the movie out a little bit better. Um, and Matt, uh, Matt Quiet, you mentioned the, um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, he was kind of the one of the top guys at InGen, who's the the evil corporation in this movie. Um, he that entire storyline should have not been in this movie. It was ridiculous. It was so bloated. That time, the, the time they devoted to that storyline could have should have been uh, used to develop the characters, especially Chris Pratt and uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, that's exactly what I said in my review. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, they did not let Chris Pratt be Chris Pratt at all. I mean, barely. He has one or two fun, like, 
like jabby lines that are that were really good and funny and a nice fresh breath breath of fresh air but there should have been about eight or nine of them if not more of those moments um and they just they really should have let him off his leash and let him be funny i think mm-hmm. um and that that was a failure in my in my opinion anyways well and i and i love i love Vincent D'Onofrio. um mm. oh me too but he he's exceptionally underused here for um a cookie cutter villain that just doesn't yeah. need to be there. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He doesn't, I didn't even think about taking that, his storyline out, but mm-hmm. if you do that, it streamlines the movie a little bit. It's not another hump, another climax for no reason. It's just, yeah. Oh, well, let's move on. So, yeah. right. I don't know. Uh, and I, I kind of liked the idea or what, what they did where they had, they sort of had like two leads. They kind of had Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard were kind of, both leads in the movie, mm-hmm. um, which you don't see a lot often, very often. You usually have just the one person. Um, yeah. And I think the most complete character was Bryce Dallas Howard because she's the only one who really went through any kind of change or anything. I mean, <laughs> you, you could make an argument for Chris Pratt, but um, I don't know. They just they they just kind of they limited his character a lot, and she really. She she took like all the development on as far as character character arcs go, because um, she really there's a there's a funny line at one point where the two kids say your boyfriend's a badass in reference to Chris Pratt and it's a great line I love that but it's kind of like by the end of the movie she's she's pretty much a badass too I don't want to get I don't want to spoil yeah. it but what she does it, is awesome well it felt like they it felt like they with Chris Pratt it's like okay they're like okay we've got this guy who's he's like. He's like hot shit right now in terms of Hollywood. Yeah. And he like there I it felt like they realized there were script problems, so they put an emphasis on just how badass we can make Chris Pratt yeah. and how Indiana Jones we can make Chris Pratt. Yeah. And it got to the point where like the kids were like instantly like all in love with him and all crazy and everything. And like they're they're supposed to echo the audience like oh he's such a badass he's so cool and it's like mm-hmm. okay you're kind of trying to use Chris Pratt's charisma and star appeal and everything to kind of mask these these gl- glaring problems in the in the script and the characterization and it yeah. it just I didn't fall for it and like like can we talk about the kids for a moment here yeah so yeah so they. <laughs> one of the kids is, is the kid from Iron Man 3 and yeah I think they both did a decent job in terms of acting but the script was just a mess for them like in terms of just plotting plotting out their arcs like there's um it's clear in the beginning like that there that there's a disconnect between them because they're probably because of age there's a gap in their age and everything so like the kid the older kid is more interested in looking at girls than he is at dinosaurs and the other kid is all like super knowledgey about dinosaurs and then so you kind of get the sense like okay well maybe this is going to be this is supposed to be like okay they're growing closer together because they're they're far apart because of their age but then about half an hour into the movie it's just it switches to like oh I think our parents are getting divorced. Yeah. And then, and that, like that, that scene where they introduce that, it, like it, it makes sense. It, 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 it made a couple of lines early in the movie a little more clear, but that whole arc, that whole subplot was just so superfluous and I, I didn't care. I, the, the parents weren't at the park and I didn't care if they were getting divorced or not. Yeah. 
and the movie didn't either because spoiler alert that never gets resolved at all. Nope, not so much. And I'm I'm like just stick with the whole age thing. I I don't know. Just pick something. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, can we talk about character development just a, a brief bit longer? Yeah, please. Um, because I. I, I really feel like there was a character that had a good arc and that that fully realized from good to bad back to good. And that was the beta raptor blue. And I think <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. And, and it really is. But if you look, that is a it's the only character in the storyline that you see a full arc on. It's true. That is it has zero lines. <laughs> That and just blew my I mind. Felt, That's really true. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt I felt more resolved with that one character than I did with anything else going on in the movie, including the big bad dinosaur. Like, we all knew it was going to die. What? Oh, gonna yeah. Take over the freaking island? Whatever. <laughs> like, but that that there was surprise. There were surprises from that raptor that I was like, all right, I'm I'm in. With, I'm, I'm in with this raptor. And I already loved raptors just like every other freaking kid that ever saw Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. But this character, this raptor, had character and had an mm-hmm. arc, and and had people that or, or had other raptors that it cared about and lost them or whatever. And I don't know. It just it felt like that that was the only <laughs> character they wrote well for. And I don't know if it's because they didn't have to put words in its mouth or what. Hmm. Wow, that's yeah. a good point. I agree. It's and it was something that was <sighs> the raptors. Like like I remember when the trailers came out. A lot of people were complaining because it seemed a little silly for, you know, there to be a raptor trainer and how they're going to have a big battle with the other dinosaurs and they're going to, like, Chris Pratt's going to lead the way. And we'll talk more about that when we'll be talking, talking about spoilers. But I didn't have a problem with that, per se. Like, I, I thought that that was handled pretty well. It was just, I guess I guess I can say my piece about Vincent D'Onofrio, but I agree with you guys. It was He was really just useless and he was... I like him as I like him as an actor too, but it, it was just you know everything, every character in this movie, every arc in this movie should have been refined. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, the whole thing needed a lot of trimming. Yeah, trim what, the fat. Yeah, what did you guys think of the actual the setting, the park, how it was, how it was, how the park yeah. was shown? Because one of my big when I when I talked. Uh, about the trailer to people, like to friends and everything, and they were complaining about, oh, they're genetically modifying dinosaurs and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, okay, I can look past that. But I mean, I, or I mean, that might be good, that might be bad. But I mean, look at how awesome it looks that the park is open. Like that's yeah. that is something that is so you've never seen that in a Jurassic Park movie, and it's it it had be it's why I wanted to see it opening weekend. Um, so, what do you guys think of the actual depiction of the park? Uh, I thought it was actually pretty cool too. That was kind of a highlight of it. I I think it sort of stuck to the the mythos of Jurassic franchise, the Jurassic Park franchise, because mm-hmm. it, it, they even they even mentioned the line um, uh, it has a spare no expense uh, <laughs> feel to it, and it really does. Because I mean, it's they built this whole aviarium where there are uh, what I assume are pterodactyls that mm-hmm. are in there and stuff like that, and uh, they they built these really nice looking high rise condos where people can come and stay and it has a Disney World feel to it. Um, that was all just really impressive and I, I thought it was in keeping with the with John Hammond's original vision. Um, yeah, having said that, the I think another kind of useless character was the the Indian guy who 
was the new owner or whatever. Yeah. The board of the, the director of the board or so. I don't know what he what his title was, but he was he was John Hammond archetype character. But just yeah. one. just could not even come close to holding up to uh, yeah. Richard Attenborough. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, just not, I, I. I mean, who could really? That's true, but I would have rather just not had the character in the movie, or mm-hmm. I don't know. I I thought it was I thought it was silly, but and that's another unfulfilling character arc too. I mean, yeah. That, but the yeah. park was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I I liked the park. I liked the the control room and the way they handled things, and it was clear that they had systems already in place and they were doing things and i really liked all that um it was beautiful but (laughs) but then there's this huge chunk of the island that's restricted and i get that and like they they have these secret dinosaurs up there but that's like do we really need to do that again like do we really need to have (laughs) i don't know i the the parts of it that were great were awesome the the dinosaur in the water that was great uh you know Splash, whoopity do! Like I was impressed by that, but we, but, but at the same time, I saw that was going to lead into something else later. It was clear, and it did mm-hmm. twice. Um, I, it, there was there was no point where I felt again the majesty that I felt in Jurassic Park when you see the the brontosaurus for the first time. John Williams does a great job of pulling you into that that scene, making you feel what the other people in that scene are feeling. And it makes it important. There was not a single scene like that here. Mm-hmm, right. The music was not done by John Williams. I think if you notice that the, I don't know who did the music, but it was inspired by. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing here that made me go look at the majesty of this thing. It was, look, there's a thing. Now let's show you all the great parts about it. And none of it really was great. A lot of it was kind of cool, but nothing really just felt wonderful. Um, but that said, if they open Jurassic World tomorrow, I will be buying a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I would too. But um, the actual depiction of the park for me was, I I love the scope. I love how how certain how how they showed the park in full operational. That was great wish fulfillment. Um, that dates back to 1993 when I saw the first one because I I remember thinking like, what would it be like if there were there if there was like an actual park that was open. Um, and so that, that just satisfied that, that for me, but like you said, Matt, the, you know, it breaks my heart to say that the music did nothing for me because the composer of the score is actually Michael Giacchino who did all the music for Lost, uh, the Star Trek movies, um, or JJ Abrams, Star Trek movies and, uh, uh, super eight. And mm-hmm. like, he's, he's far and away one of my favorite film composers working today. And I didn't even know that he did the music until I heard about it on a podcast and like nothing about it stuck out to me at all. And that just, it's so disappointing to me that they got someone of such a high caliber in my eyes for this movie that could have been, if between the shots, the shots of the park in operation pre disaster, um, and if they would have if they would have gotten a more grandiose score, I feel like that would have really captured something in me. Other but since since it didn't, it just it was just like it was just like, okay, and like like tiny, like you said, it was di- dinosaur overload. Like do you guys know offhand how much how much of Jurassic Park and I'm just I, I haven't confirmed this, but how much of Jurassic Park is dinosaur footage? I don't. 
I believe it's like something like 14 minutes. Really? Yeah, it's, it's not as much as I remember. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. and it's less is more like in the original, in the original one, one of my, one of my biggest gripes, I, I thought that the, I thought that the actual thrilling, like chasing and hunting and everything in this movie was solid, but there is a very, very noticeable absence of low key suspenseful breaks in the action. Like mm-hmm. there's no there's no equivalent of um of the, the raptors in in the kitchen with the kids scene in the first right, one. Right. And that that level of tension uh helped make the original so so great and and it just wasn't here. The closest we get is the first scene with the Indominus Rex where uh, Chris Pratt is hiding from it, and and that's kind of echoing the. It's paying homage to the uh, T Rex in the first one, but it's also like been to, been there, done that, and yeah. it's it was it was kind of frustrating. So, um, okay, how do you guys feel about going into spoilers here in a second? Sure. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Okay. So um. That'll basically conclude our spoiler-free discussion of Jurassic World. Um, do you guys want to give a roundtable about just your, again, reinforcing your overall thoughts on it? And will you guys buy this? So okay, um, I'm not going to buy it, but I I don't buy very much anymore. Um, I you know I really did have a good time with it. I thought it was mm-hmm. still pretty fun, um, even though it was Dino Overload. Some of that overload was pretty cool, like uh, Matt Matt mentioned the the aquatic dinosaur i can't remember what it's called me neither um the giant alligator thing i guess um <laughs> that and the indominus indominus rex um as ridiculous as it was was kind of cool at times especially with the camouflage and all that stuff it was it was cool um mm-hmm. but at the same time it was they could have scaled things back significantly and used the the less is more mm-hmm. um thing like you said matt um i totally agree with that but i you know i I'd probably give it like a six out of ten, something like that. You know, it was it was it was still enjoyable. I didn't regret paying a matinee price to see it. <laughs> Put nice. it that way. Yeah. Matt, how about you? Um, you know, I, I probably will buy it um for my love of dinosaurs. My I, I will say <laughs> that. Um and especially given um Blue and his character arc and what that means for me, since he is a dinosaur, that that, that helps. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm going to rush out the week of, I don't know if, I don't even know if I'll work to get the Blu-ray on this one. I may just buy a DVD and not care. Uh, frankly, the movie has its high moments, but there are, now that I'm thinking about it even more, thanks guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the movie has a lot of issues and down points and they, they really, they really fail at, at, bringing the majesty that I want. And as ridiculous as it sounds, Jurassic Park 2 still had some of that. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park 3 is an abomination and terrible. <laughs> um, this one isn't nearly as bad as that. Um, and I would say even this is better than Jurassic Park 2, but mm-hmm. at, the, at the same time, you're missing some... You're missing the heart um, and the majesty, and it's just... It, it throws it pretty low for me, and uh, you know, I was thinking we always do out of five, so I was all, I'm always like three out of five is is above average, and this is not even there. Um, so I'm gonna have to go with probably a five out of ten, and that's 
it's pushing it for me right now. Yeah. And, and and like three of those points all by themselves are the fact that that there are raptors and they're handled in a way other than just oh my god oh my god they're all going to kill us. Like <laughs> they gave them something else to do, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Nice. I you know. I I gave it a six out of ten in my written review, and it's the under the marking of buy digitally. So I'll probably end up buying the Blu-ray when it's pretty cheap, just to have it in my collection as a completionist, because I have the Ultimate Trilogy Blu-ray set, and it is better than than the sequels. Um, I'd I'd put it just a little bit above, um, uh, uh the Lost World, just because the Lost World I felt was really tried too much to be Ian Malcolm. You can't take the col- you can't take the comic char- the comic character from the first one and make him a leading man. It, it just disconnected with me. So mm-hmm. this movie, it, it's not going to be that memorable. It's not something that I'm going to watch a lot. It, it'll just be something I throw on when I'm editing the podcast, probably whenever I eventually buy it. And it's it's one of the things that really makes Jurassic Park so iconic and so strong is that it's it captured the imagination of of a generation really it it set it set characters strong strong uh science-based characters scientific characters into a situation where they use their knowledge and they and they the movie didn't shy away from scientific dialogue and, and um, the moral implications of, of the actual cloning process of these of these dinosaurs. Totally, there's none of that in in Jurassic World. There's a little bit of it, but it's 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 coming out of the mouths of characters you don't care about and you don't have any emotional attachment with. So it just falls completely flat, and that's I think that's part of the reason why there's such a lack of magic in this movie even you can show grandiose sequences of of the actual park and everything but it's just set set decoration for characters you don't you're just gonna watch in peril but not feel like you're in peril with them and i feel like that's that's just a a massive disservice to uh to jurassic park the jurassic park legacy so i'll probably reluctantly buy it when it's really cheap or I'll accept it as a gift, but it was really overall pretty disappointing. All right, so uh, after the episode ends, we're going to go into spoilers and check out our spoiler discussion after the outro. Um, but for now, we're going to go into potpourri. If this is your first time listening, potpourri is the part of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want as long as it smells good. Uh, anything that we're watching, looking forward to, or any anything we want. So to get us kicked off, I think, I think I'll go ahead and get us started, I guess. Um... I've been watching Archer. I think a few episodes ago I may have mentioned it on the podcast. I I can't remember exactly, but uh, I've been kind of just mainlining it on Netflix, and I finally got to season five, which is called Archer Vice. And I think that at some point I'm going to flip this idea to Tiny. Um, I want to do an episode that talks about TV shows that reinvent themselves um, after a certain number of seasons. Uh, And Archer Vice is one of them because – Archer is is a is an animated cartoon about um <laughs> about a spy agency and it's very I mean it's very sarcastic and and the humor is just is is fantastic it's it's hilarious but what Archer did in the 5th season and I don't know I I don't know if this is because of because the organization in Archer is called Isis 
and I don't know if they did this because of the real world ISIS mm-hmm. or if this predates that, but what they did was they basically got rid of ISIS and um, basically the FBI shut them down and now all the characters in season five in, in Archer Vice, they have this, they have like a hundred, a hundred thousand kilos of Coke <laughs> and they're, they're trying to get into the cartel business and it's such a 180 from everything before it. And it's such an interesting way to reinvent the series, uh, at least for this one season, um, as far as I know. And like what I, what I thought was really, was really funny and really interesting was that the first episode of the season ends with, um, them deciding like, okay, well, we have all this Coke. What are we going to do? And then, uh, Archer kind of stares, kind of stares at it. And then there's a flash. Of like scenes from the entire season, and then he's just like he's like Archer Vice, and then everyone's like what? And then he's like nothing, and then like so the whole season is you've seen clips of of the season, and now you're seeing them all play out, and it's I don't know it's such it's such a refreshing take on a series that in four seasons hadn't even lost its luster um, because it was still on point and very much a, an enjoyable show. Um, I'm, I'm, so I'm really enjoying Archer Vice there. That's season five. It's on Netflix and they're currently airing or just finished airing season six and it'll probably be on Netflix within the next six or seven months probably. So I'll, I'll check it out when it goes on there. Um, uh, Tiny, do you want to go next or should we? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to talk about Pitch Perfect too. I went and saw that in the theater with my girlfriend. Uh, it was... It was great. It was a lot of fun. It's, uh, it, I, I figured they were gonna just, it was gonna be a blunder because the first one was so successful and so fun and unique and hilarious. Uh, but this, the, they managed to hold up fairly well, uh, at least in the comedy department. The second one was so funny. I laughed like crazy. Um, some of the comedy fell flat though. They brought in some new characters and, um, the, the villains of the movie just weren't funny. I don't, I really didn't get what they're, what their plan was with that. Um, and some of the, some of the jokes just kind of went, some of the comedy and the, the situational stuff just went a little too far. Like the whole thing with fat Amy and her relationship with, uh, with bumper throughout the first one. And then into the second one, it's just, it's just kind of old. They're harping on the thing. Like, why would this guy date the fat girl? It's kind of mm. like, it's kind of mean spirited in my opinion. And it's just a little, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like it, it there was some good comedy there, but I, I just thought it was, kind of contrived um mm. and then the there's a couple of things i had a problem with in it um but it's nothing it's nothing that made it a bad movie or made it terrible um they they really upped the ante and it was it, it was kind of it kind of took away the the self-deprecating uh realization that what they do is pretty silly and it's not that <laughs> popular and people make fun of it but in the second one it didn't really seem to be there as much um because, because I mean, they're the premise is they compete in an international competition, and so they have like the best team from Germany and the best team from India and China and stuff. And it's like it just lost some of the silliness of that, the the lighthearted, tongue in cheek characteristics from the first one, um, and it just took itself a little too seriously in that regard, in my opinion, uh, especially for a comedy like this, a silly mm-hmm. comedy. Um, but still, the the jokes were just really great. Um, Nice. All all of the actresses in that and actors in that are just prime comedians and comedians, uh, just really really funny people. And 
it was enjoyable. The music was great, of course, just mm. like the first one. Not quite as good, though. I really? Think the music was a little better. The performances were a little better in the first movie. Nice. But uh, still fun, still worth seeing. Awesome. I hope they make a third one. I, I It's 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 going to happen. Okay, I figured. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I, I haven't gotten, gotten around to it yet, so mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us for Potpourri? Oh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit two really quick things and nice. then I'll get into a little bit more just because I like to break rules. Um, sure thing. <laughs> uh, Band of Brothers is on Amazon Prime, and if you're into World War II at all or didn't know you were into World War II and not you want to be, <laughs> it is phenomenal. I nice. am very impressed. Uh, David Schwimmer plays a very, very serious character and is very, very good. Uh, it's all loosely based on real-life events. Um, um, totally worth checking out. So that's all on Amazon Prime. That's also an HBO thing, so you can get it mm-hmm. on HBO. Um, I also, so I just started that. I haven't gotten through it, but I also yes. finished uh, Sopranos, and the ending to that was uh, unique and frustrating in a way that <laughs> nothing else has ever been frustrating to me before. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but hmm. it was still really good. Um, the last season was a little rough. Yeah, I don't think that was their best writing, but it was still it was still enjoyable and it still had had lead ups and building and lots. Excuse me. So, you know, I those two those two shows totally worth your time. Um, I just finished the first part of the seventh season of Mad Men and uh, decided I would go back and start rewatching it. And I'm like mid season two now, and I it's not been but a couple of weeks, um, but it's been so long since I watched Mad, the the early Madman stuff that I've not only reminded by like how terrible people were in the sixties <laughs> with things like drinking and driving and belting their kids in, mm-hmm. but um, knowing what I know comes later in the show. There is some building, some light building that they do starting early on. There's a lot of good good work. Um, January Jones is actually good in this series, unlike anything else I've ever seen her in, where she's flat and terrible. Um, yeah. Over overall, I I, I really enjoyed um, Mad Men as far as it's gone, but the end of the part one of the seventh season is. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what happened to, to poor Don, and I'm not <laughs> sure if he's lost it or if he has a tumor or what. But uh, that season or that 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 closer is just weird, very weird. Interesting. So I don't know if you guys are, have you guys are you kept up on Mad Men or anything? Uh, I gave it three seasons and then and then ducked out. I, I wasn't. Uh, I just couldn't get into it. I gave it like four or five, and just nah. Fair enough. someday I'll go back and someday I'll go back and one of the main all. characters uh, passes away um, mm-hmm. at the end of the part one of season seven, and Don, after hearing what happens and a couple other things happen, he goes downstairs at the office and turns around and is greeted by that character, who then sings and dances his way out. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it is. You have no idea how weird it is because I was like, "Is he having a stroke? What's right. going on here?" Huh. So, um, weird. Yeah, that's very weird. And, you know, I don't know. We've been watching a lot of other stuff though. We're always watching something. So, right. Um, yeah, I, just that. Th- those are the ones I wanted to hit because 
those three have left a big impact in what those are two HBO shows and mm-hmm. uh, AMC. So tells you I watch a lot of your normal everyday comedies. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I noticed something on Amazon Prime. Um, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but um, I haven't really dove deep into this yet. Because I, I have HBO Go and I have Amazon Prime, and looking at Amazon Prime, I know that I know that HBO Go, HBO HBO has has HBO now now try to follow that um <laughs> but they so they have their own standalone thing and what i noticed on amazon prime is they have an they have a like exclusivity deal with hbo content but what i noticed is that boardwalk empire only has the first two first two seasons available so i wonder if they're kind of phasing out their hbo catalog um, I I think I, I if I had to guess, and I am by no means a genius here. I think Amazon Prime was HBO's way to see if streaming their shows was going to be profitable. Ah, mm. uh, which huh. they should have known ahead of time. But I'm sure some executives somewhere said, "How can we make money from this and still mm. test the market?" And and that was a good way to do it because by giving it just a Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It gives only certain people access, and then you get everything digitized anyway, and it's all ready. And now all they have to do is pull that back, and they have the files ready to release on whatever streaming they're going to do. True, right? Um, I uh, so, some of Amazon Prime is great, some mm-hmm. of it's not so great. But I was very appreciative of all the HBO stuff there because it was all stuff that I'd wanted to watch and never got around to. Yeah, um, right. And some of it I still, some of it I'm still way behind on. I want to watch the. I want to watch all of Oz, and I haven't yeah. gotten past the first season yet. So, Oz is but that phenomenal. one's rough. That one's that one's pretty intense. So. Yeah, you're a little depressed after you watch an episode. <laughs> yeah, and also, Band of Brothers is one of the best things ever made in the history of things. <laughs> yeah. I, it's so good. Uh, I can't. Matt, have you watched any of that? Yeah, yeah. I watch it every okay. year. I mean, it's just the best. Oh, really? Thing. The Blu-ray, the Blu-rays for that are fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. One of the podcasts we just went into World War II um, with the role playing oh, nice. game, and I I've been watching, I've been reading uh, the Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which is a phenomenal book. Nice. Um, That's part of a a three volume set, isn't it? Or am I thinking of something mm, else? I think you're thinking of something I else. Think I this am. one is this one specifically is written by a guy who was in Germany during oh Hitler's wow rise to power, so he saw a lot of it like firsthand. Is that nice. written by and Albert Speer? I'm sorry. Is that written by Speer? I think it's Albert is his first yes, name. Yes, I think so. He was Hitler's um, architect, yeah. Nerd. Um but 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 <laughs> the the way it's written is so approachable and, and easy to read while still giving you just slews of information. Just I'm uh, it is a thick heavy book and I would mm-hmm. I I can only say that because I can see where I'm at on my Kindle. So <laughs> like um but there's a lot there but I I read that and then I watched um Hitler and like the rise of the Nazis or something, some documentary series on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, which has been really good. And then I was like, well, I should watch Band of Brothers. I hear it's really good. And David Schwimmer, I'm not, I don't even think I made it all the way through the first episode, but David Schwimmer is so good and not yeah. Ross from Friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't have, I, I don't mean to be like that, but I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of faith in com- com- comedy actors or actresses who mm. have a thing they do for a while and, and that's the thing they're known for because oftentimes they get stuck in that and they don't yeah. ever break out. And I think David Schwimmer should be given more dramatic roles and he he deserves them. 
mm-hmm. just from that. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been very impressed. Um, one of our one of our other hosts is pushing for us to watch a hundred other uh, war movies because he's really big into war uh, World War Two. So mm-hmm. I'm nice. sure we'll be watching some of those soon. <laughs> uh, cool, nice. Um, yeah, the trilogy of books I was thinking about is by Richard J. Evans. It's uh, the Coming of the Third Reich, the Third Reich in Power, and the Third Reich at War. Uh, just throwing it out there. But anyway, um, yeah, well, that's great. Uh, was there anything else we needed to discuss, or should we call it a day? I think we call it a day. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast, Matt. That was that was great. No, it was my my um, pleasure. I was happy to return the favor again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like we said, we're all going to be at PopCon. What what's your booth number again? Uh, uh, five forty six. Nice, and uh, ours is six thirty seven, I think. Um, and we'll uh, we will be. I'll be on one of uh, the panels you're going to be on. And do you want to talk about that briefly before we head out? Yeah, I, I want It's Sunday. I want to say at eleven. Um, and I think it that's is, right. Uh, podcasting and journalism. That's um, right. Which is a really fanciful way of saying we're going to get up there and talk about podcasting. Um, <laughs> And uh, we're doing it with the, with uh, my network, uh, Southgate Media Group, mm-hmm. um, and then we're also going to be later doing another panel that that will be put on called Professional Geeking, I think, and it's about people that are professionally into their geek, uh, whatever it is. So, for instance, I we own I own Nerdverse LLC, um, and we hypothetically make money <laughs> every month. <laughs> um, so you know, I'm a professional geek. So that nice. that's the whole idea of that one is to hear about how people do that. So cool, awesome. Well, we're excited for PopCon, and we're uh, excited for our listeners to come and talk to us and to come check, <coughs> come check us out and check out Nerds Domain and all of your fine uh, programming. And you guys are live recording on stage, right? Yeah, well, we will have. I don't know if we. I don't know if they've told us what times we have for the podcaster stage, but we're hoping for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, they uh, they haven't told anybody yet, but the the schedule is up, so you can go and look over at indiepopcon dot com. Oh, nice. Cool. Um, we're recording right? like thirteen times because we told them we wanted whatever time would work for whatever guest we wanted. So, oh, that's awesome! <laughs> nice. That's so, awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And Matt, have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Sorry, I had a spider incident last night. I saw your Facebook post. Yeah. It's pretty. How big was it, dude? Oh my god, it was. It was probably like that big. Holy balls. Yeah, like it was. It was right up. It was right up there, tiny. Oh my god. And like it was like right when I finished watching Game of Thrones, like. I was like tweeting or whatever, and then, like, like the the inside the episode thing came on, and like, like it lit up the room, and I was like, oh, oh, fuck. oh, fuck. okay, all right. <laughs> so like, I was like fucking nervous. Like I, <coughs> like I got my broomstick that I used to kill spiders with, um, and I wrapped a wrapped a uh, disinfectant wipe around it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then I sat here for like 10, 15 minutes just waiting, like hoping to like it'll it would disappear or something so I wouldn't have to deal with it. But it like got in the corner and like I lunged at it and like in my head I was saying, for the watch. Um, Jesus, you would. <laughs> yeah. Fucking... Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. 
You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. So, in the... <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, so let's go into spoilers. <laughs> um, my nose keep getting, kept getting stuffed up, so... So you guys, you guys did mention earlier that uh, one of the characters, or that there were no characters that came from the first movie to this one, and I would, I would have to point out, um, that's right, Doctor Wu, right? That's yeah. true. BD Wong, I, I love BD Wong, I really mm-hmm. do. Um, but his character turn in this was frustrating, and clearly was setting up a sequel. I hated that. Yeah, that was bad. I just, the pseudoscience he's doing and the things that he shouldn't be doing. Like we, we went from, I'm a scientist. I know genetics to I'm a, I'm a mad scientist. Look at what hell I have brought. Like, <laughs> and, and then his argument with the, the Indian guy about, well, this is what you wanted. And well, you know, we put in this and we put in that, like who in their right mind goes, you know, it'd be really good to cross with a T-Rex is a raptor, <laughs> a chameleon, and a frog that can jump really high. But <laughs> yeah. Who said that was a great idea? No one. Ugh. Like, uh, oh, well, this frog can change his body temperature. We should totally cross it. No. Did you not learn the first time? Like, they <laughs> made it in the park. This was all the bad idea. Quit using frogs. Yeah. It was – and that character turn kind of was one of my one of my issues with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character is that he was – Involved, I think he, I couldn't even follow what what was happening at that point because I had so little invested in it. But it did feel like that shot of BD Wong in the helicopter saying like that means I'll get a cut or something like that. Like that was clearly setting up a sequel, and that just that got under my skin more than almost anything in this movie because that's not that's not in keeping with the legacy of Jurassic Park. That's mm-hmm. that's just not. There's a scene in Jurassic Park where um, where Newman drops the embryos and and that's the that's there's an implication that that would that they'll play out later or something like that but that's it there, there's nothing else that's a self-contained movie yeah and another thing that troubled me about 
uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in, in the movie as a whole is that there didn't really seem to be any uh, antagonistic characters against against that were working nefariously behind the scenes. Like, like Vincent D'Onofrio was very on the nose, like, well, we want to, we want these Raptors to be with the military because that's not a stupid idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which that, like, uh, like that, that's just ridiculous. That, that's so ridiculous. Like I, it's a movie about, it's a movie about cloned dinosaurs in a park. And I was rolling my eyes at that. Um, and it was just so frustrating. So, but like, and I, you know, in people, people who love, if there are any, well, I assume people love this movie, but if there are people that are supporting this movie that can, can say like, well, you can't, you can't compare it to the original. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, you can't, but they're inviting those comparisons. Yeah. And one of the biggest, like, I don't know how I felt about this, but when the kids stumble across like the original, like set, I was like, really? Like, who yeah. doesn't tear that down? Yeah. Right. And then, like, and then, like, there's, <laughs> they find the night vision goggles. It's, it's a nice homage, I guess, or a nice callback, but it's like, okay, are those really going to hold a charge for 22, 22 years? Yeah. And then, well, and they're like, spared no expense except the expense of tearing down the old stuff. Yeah. That's too much. <laughs> right? Seriously? Yeah. It was just clearly a ploy to play on the nostalgia of the audience and, and do that. And there was a lot, there was a, there were more kind of toward the end, and we'll get to that of it. We'll get to that discussion here in a second. But um, there was also the problem with with the kids in in this, in that scene, and then in another scene later on in the movie, there are like like the older kid is like they're looking at the jeeps and stuff, and for some reason the kid knows that it's oh 1992 jeep blah blah blah, and I'm like how the, how does how the hell do you know that? Why does that um, matter? And why does it matter? Yeah. yeah. So then the older kids like you remember when we when we uh, when we jumped that one guy's car or something like that, like Bill like, Grandpa's old Malibu. Yeah, I was like, what? "What? Okay, okay." So, do you remember when I, when I was engaged to Jennifer Lawrence and she lived with me? Okay, like that's that's not relevant. I don't know what comparison that was, but anyway, um, it was. You just wanted to live in a fantasy world. I did, I did, but like, it's like okay, to it was the writers making a choice to just have this kind of, and it, it happened later to have one of the kids say something that's completely unconnected that will get them out of this situation. It's, it's so sloppy and so, so aggravating. And like later when, uh, or it might be that lazy. same scene. It's freaking lazy. Lazy. Yes, it is. It is lazy. Um, you're, you were kind of like slow, like the connection was a little bad there, but anyway, um, it, it's incredibly lazy, and then there's another scene where the where the older son, the older kid is like, like there, it's poorly lit, and he's like, "Hey, do you have those matches from before?" And I'm like, "We never saw any matches. Like <laughs> the matches, like the matches to us just appeared out of nowhere." And it's like that's that's a Deus Ex Machina on a small scale. And it just it it bugged me so much. I think that that was more to like establish. It was reinforcement of the kid as like a a little genius or nerd or whatever that like he's the kind of he, like he earlier in the movie the older brother referred to his dork pouch or whatever yeah so I think that was it was reinforcement that he was a genius it was unnecessary reinforcement um, and also the fact that you know there's this there's this jeep that's been sitting in a garage for 22 years yeah. how they're gonna get it restarted it's like it's exposition and it's not really necessary but 
at the same time, I understand why they kind of throw that in there because otherwise people would see it and be like, well, how did they get that Jeep going? I've just been sitting yeah. there for 22 years. Yeah. So I don't know. It didn't, that didn't bother me. But Yeah, I don't know. It just got, it got under my skin. Um, but I regard, regarding the whole Vincent D'Onofrio engine thing, I would have been okay with it if they wouldn't have let it drag down the plot so much. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been kind of cool, you know, since they're going to do it anyways, they're going to, they want to make a sequel, another sequel. Um, just, just make like a little epilogue, like a little, um, a, like a, like a stinger scene, like that, yeah, that Marvel's been doing for the past however many yeah. years. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool to just throw in like an engine thing at the end. It's like a, a minute long clip of engine showing up to the island. And trying to find the embryos and stuff. God, that would be awesome. Yeah, and it would establish, you know, that'd be kind of cool. It'd be a fun little thing, I think. Yeah. Well, even if you just put it at the end, like the Lego movie did, like we know that there's a Lego two movie coming because they mm-hmm. clearly show us that that the sequel's coming, and I'm okay with that because they handled it well instead of like shoving it into the middle of the movie, yeah, slowing everything down, making everything worse. I mean. Who didn't think for a second that the, the the minute that Chris Pratt gets knocked off that bike that they're driving through the woods in, that the Raptors aren't going to turn on anybody? Like, that's <laughs> way too much. Like, you have one trainer that can be trusted. Everybody else is going to get eaten. Yeah. You know, if you don't mind. Um, no. You know, I, the twist that the Raptor, that the Indominus Rex was... was uh, part raptor i i've got to admit it worked for me um, yeah, me too that actually because like that moment like they i felt like they actually set that up well and they paid oh. it off well um <laughs> where because i mean like they had like okay first of all i thought it was ridiculous it, it was ridiculous when bryce dallas howard was all like well it's, it's a t-rex and well that's classified it's like yeah okay okay lady but then like there's that scene where uh, Chris Pratt's like, uh, he's the beta, and then, uh, and the kid's like, who's the alpha? And then he's like, <laughs> Star-Lord is. He said, you're looking so, at him, kid. Yeah, and so, <laughs> like, that moment when, when the Indominus Rex comes out, like, I was, I was like, okay, there's, there's gonna be a battle. This is gonna be kind of badass. And then, when it twists and it turns around, and then he's like, they've got a new alpha, I was like, holy shit, that was actually pretty well done. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, yeah. And I thought the whole thing, Chris Pratt riding his little triumph through the woods with his raptor guys like they're going hunting, was pretty damn cool. I, I thought so, too. I mean, that was... It's pretty silly. I mean, I, it is. I, I'm not saying visually or concept-wise it wasn't cool. I'm just like... <laughs> like The whole plan is, hey, there's one guy that control, can control these things. The rest of us are going to die. That's <laughs> true, yeah. Yeah. Well, plus they were all expendable characters anyways. Just you know, They were. They were <laughs> nameless, red faceless characters, so... Yeah. yeah, this shirt did have a. Uh, this show did have a large number of red shirts. It, it really yeah, did. There has to be fodder. Um, and can we talk about the the gyroscope thing or gyrosphere? Gyrosphere. Gyrosphere. Um, I thought that 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 was cool. Like the kids in in the little the little sphere thing, the Jimmy Fallon cameo, all that. Yeah. But <laughs> there was. <laughs> but there was something that troubled me that bothered me so much. Okay. So you have this seemingly uh, indestructible kind of sphere, this ball, this hamster ball that they that the kid, the people are 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 riding in and everything, and it's a park and everything. But 
A, you let your your around cloned prehistoric animals that that you don't know what they're gonna do or anything, and I think that they were all pretty docile animals. Those that that section of the park is, but you give the 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 people on the ride control of the of the ball. I I felt like that was just like like really, like you would let you would let that kind of. Uh, that variable into the mix when you're dealing with these these potentially destructive animals. Um, yeah, and it's such a huge area too. It's not even yeah. like oh, you can drive around in this you know football field size area. No, you can drive around. We can't see you anymore. Keep right. going. It's cool. And it was so contrived once they figured out like oh the the nephews are there. It's like okay, so are you telling me that there's no contingency for one of these one of these hamster balls to get back to to it in case of this very emergency like there's no way that the control the command center control room place can recall the the, the balls like that felt yeah. like just so contrived and so just bothersome to me well and just in general the whole thing was derivative of the first movie the the jeep attack and the tyrannosaurus rex mm. pen from the first movie where the, the kids yeah. are being it, literally a t-rex biting down on a, a glass thing yeah, just like yeah. in the first movie. Um, and the only thing it was missing was mud and um, rain. I mean, honestly, yeah. and a shirtless. Uh, uh, what's his face? Yeah, uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Well, yeah. Why did his name just slip <laughs> my mind? But yeah, and a shirtless Ian Malcolm with a flare. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. and that. Yeah, I, I I lost my train of thought there, but uh, shirtless shirtless Ian Malcolm. <laughs> That'll do it every time. He'll yeah. do that, yeah. So, in the... <laughs> God. <laughs> so, the, the climax of the movie, I thought was handled pretty well. Um, I, again, like this whole, the whole third act of the movie was, was pretty solid in and of itself. But the second that, um, that, that Bryce Dallas Howard is like telling, Jake Johnson to open, uh, open paddock nine. And he's all like, well, are, are you sure? Or whatever. Like, I was like, well, what is, what's going on? <laughs> and then the second that like you realize, like, I was like, wait, she, she has a flare. This is going to be a callback to Jurassic Park. Holy shit, that's the T-Rex and he's going to come save the day. And I, yeah. like, I was invested in that moment, but the characters, again, I was kind of just, I didn't really care about at all, but just that moment that the, the, the decision, the decision on the filmmakers to do that, just really was one of the one of the few moments of the movie that kind of resonated with me. That and the twist of the the raptors being part of his genetic code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, what did you guys think in the climactic uh, sequence? You know, it's it's undeniably cool to have the T Rex fight the Indominus Rex, and then the raptor shows up and they tag team on him. And the only, it's obviously frustrating when the the characters are just for no apparent reason are just ridiculously close to the action like yeah. like run effing run you morons yeah. why are you sitting there crouching i mean i don't realize <laughs> you want to see it but you can see it safely from a distance right and it's just like i i know it's for dramatic effect and all that stuff it's just frustrating because it's so nonsensical but yeah. but despite that really cool uh, i mean the whole the the dinosaur popping up out of the water to grab the andominus rex and drag it down was pretty predictable mm-hmm. but at the same time undeniably cool mm-hmm. yeah Matt, well, you know when the pterodactyls and the pterodons came out of the aviary mm. and they started attacking people, 
again, this sounds terrible, but the only the only murder that I felt bad about was when one of the pterodactyls picked up one of the little triceratopses and like drop or like banged him on the ground yeah. and dropped him. Oh and yeah, like, no, <laughs> he, he didn't even do anything. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, like everybody else, I'm like, oh, that guy's doing the fire. Oh, yep, he did. Oh, that, <laughs> this chick's getting picked up. Oh, she got dropped. I bet that that's that, they're going to get eaten by the the water guy. He's going to fly over and snap <laughs> them both. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> like they, the, I felt no remorse for the faceless humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the dinos die, and there was I. They at least made me feel bad for that. But I, I don't know that. So many bad things. Yeah, when Bryce Dallas, how they presented the stuff. Oh yeah, when when Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt found the dying Brontosaurus or whatever mm-hmm. it was, and they noticed like he's killing for sport. The the Indominus is killing for sport. I was like that that scene like made me feel like oh that's sad and all that. And yeah, the, like it was the rest is like oh Dino fodder. Um, yeah, and when <laughs> and like when the assistant got. Taken by the pterodactyls and thrown into eaten by the the by the big sea monster thing, I was all like, she kind of had that coming. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you your boss has you in charge of watching her two nephews, and you you're on your phone, and you ignore them completely. Like, okay, I'm yeah. not gonna like okay, kind of like the lawyer in the first movie. Yeah, and that was and, one and of the go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, well, and then you 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 lose them and don't let your boss know. Yeah, like, yeah. hours later. <laughs> exactly, and like, um, like the lawyer in the first one, like all the all the deaths in the first one, kind of had like a, an impact or kind of a kind of like okay, okay, Newman from Seinfeld, he was you know he was he was doing shady stuff. He caused the entire problem, the, all the problems and everything. And like his death is is it's not like it's not like oh it's very satisfying to see this guy die but it's like okay you you kind you there's a connection with the movie where in the original movie like bad kind of kind of bad people I mean there are a couple like couple that aren't you know bad like the the hunter guy and all that but you kind of get a respect for the dinosaurs in that like the lawyer gets killed because um he he leaves the kids like and it's like okay well he got you know he the that was kind of coming to him and then in this movie it's like people are dying left and right and it's it's like there's no like connection or there's no like unspoken like morals or subtext to it or anything it's just it's just flair and uh uh movie blockbuster stuff so yeah yeah and then uh there was another. Oh, what did you guys think in the control room? People, I I really like Jake Johnson as an actor and uh, the the guy in the control room, and I I kind of liked his back and forth with the other with the with the other people in the control room and everything. Um, there's really not much else to touch up on that. But yeah. what do you guys think? I, I, they could have had a little more Jake Johnson. I think uh, mm-hmm. again, kind of let him off the leash a little bit and let him be a yeah. little funnier than than the character may have called for in the script. But it was fine. I thought it was fun. So yeah, so I I don't know. I don't know if there's really anything else that we need to say about about Jurassic Jurassic World. I think we kind of covered it all. Um it was they're going to make sequels. It was yeah. a mega hit, so we'll see. But yeah. I don't know. Um it was it was pretty disappointing, I think. Although the third act was was pretty on point and fantastic to me. Yeah. 
So, all right, well, uh, that'll be at the end of this. Then it fell on the carpet, started scurrying, like, toward my bedroom. I was like, no, I, I sleep there. <laughs> and I'm like, I stabbed it against the wall a little bit, and then it died, and then... I was such a pussy about picking it up and stuff. I took out the vacuum cleaner and vacuumed it up. <laughs> so, and like when it, when I was actually going for the kill shot, um, you know, um, gotcha. I actually said like I yelled, "Fucking die, fucking die!" <laughs> so at about eleven thirty, eleven forty five at night on a Sunday in my apartment, I screamed, "Fucking die, fucking die!" Hmm. and then ran the vacuum cleaner. Wow. So my neighbors love me.